It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code BOOM to get $30 off your first month. That's BOOM. Talkspace.com slash BOOM. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's a Tuesday edition of Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Sam Ekstrom. Welcome to the show. Follow me on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom. And if you really wanted to do us a favor here on Locked On Vikings, leave a five-star review on iTunes. That would be greatly appreciated. Solo operation today. A good chance to cruise through some player evaluations and then get out of here. First thing we'll do today, though, is take a look at the clips the compilation of Vikings articles that have been written today. Star Tribune has an article for Matt Venzel speculating on what the Vikings are going to do with this offensive line overhaul. We'll certainly be talking about that quite a bit in the coming months. Viking update with John Holler and Tim Yotter talking about veteran quarterbacks and Minnesota Vikings safeties. Yes, the Minnesota Vikings may be in the market for a backup quarterback if they don't want to commit to Taylor Heineke. John Holler brings up a couple names, and these are not all endorsements by him. He's just going person by person. But Mark Sanchez, Mike Glennon, Ryan Mallett, and Brian Hoyer probably topping the list. Then you've got E.J. Manuel, Geno Smith, kind of washed out former AFC East quarterbacks, I guess, is the theme there. Matt Castle and Christian Ponder also on the market. Hey, there you go. That's VikingUpdate.com. Matthew Collar at 1500 wrote a great article about Michael Kendricks, potentially on the trade block in Philadelphia. Michael Kendricks, of course, the brother of Eric Kendricks. There's a logical family connection. The Vikings may be in need of a replacement linebacker with Chad Greenway probably leaving. The question is, though, would Michael Kendricks be content at age 26 playing second fiddle to his brother? In all likelihood, he'd be the third linebacker while Barr and Kendricks fill the nickel. Granted, if there's a trade executed, he really wouldn't have much of a choice. It's not as if he'd be voluntarily accepting that role. But it's worth a consideration. He's got five years in the league. He started 61 games in the past five years. And a good breakdown from Matthew Collar. And finally, Brad Childress will serve as a Chiefs assistant coach next season. Childress has been a quality control coach in Kansas City for a while. He's been a co-offensive coordinator. And now he'll be helping out Andy Reid, a guy he spent many years with, whether it was Philadelphia or now Kansas City. He'll be the assistant head coach. Their previous assistant, David Culley, went to be with the Buffalo Bills. So that's your look around the interwebs, Minnesota Vikings-related knowledge. Let's continue our player evals, one offense, one defense. Let's start on defense today. How about Andrew Sendejo? 
29-year-old safety playing next to Harrison Smith. Can you believe it? It's now seven years in Minnesota for Andrew Sendejo. I would say the first four of those years, he was considered a plus special teams type guy. 2015, he was much maligned for some uneven play. It wasn't great against the pass. But it was a rare case where perception did not meet reality. The Vikings evaluated Andrew Sandejo much higher than the average fan sitting at home would have. Vikings gave Sandejo an extension, and he was better last season. Actually struggled a little bit more against the run, but he played in 14 games, starting all of them, had two interceptions, and he was certainly steady. From a contract standpoint, he has three years remaining, but it is a very team-friendly contract. No money remaining, guaranteed. Sendejo has a cap hit of $3 million this year. It is $3.5 next year and $5.5 the year after that. It's an escalating contract, and if Sendejo keeps playing well, he'll keep making more money. And I'd say the likelihood of Sendejo playing out that contract, probably not all that likely. But he goes into year two, I think, in a pretty good spot as the 29-year-old strong safety will continue to team up with Harrison Smith. And the Vikings certainly needed that continuity. They've thrown about every Tom, Dick, and Harry in there to play alongside Harrison Smith. And at some point, you just got to settle and let those two percolate. And that's what they've done with Smith and Sandejo, who are pretty smart players on the back end. Let's tackle an offensive player. How about Jeremiah Searles, who has now spent two years with the Minnesota Vikings, He's 25 years old, and last season started 10 games for Minnesota. He has positional flexibility on the offensive line. Can play guard, can play tackle, can play left, can play right. And you could plug him in at probably four different positions. And that makes him really appealing as a bench swing option. Do you want Jeremiah Searles to be your A plan At any offensive starting spot, probably not. But you want to have him there if Alex Boone hurts his hip and you have to insert Searles in the second half against Carolina. Searles was acquired for a late-round pick prior to the 2015 season. He had moments in 2016 where he was very good. Also had moments where he was a turnstile. After making $600,000 last year, Searles is a restricted free agent. I'm curious how the Vikings will go in their new offensive line approach in terms of size. The Vikings possess some very big offensive linemen, and I know they're big by nature, but 6'7", 3'10", for Jeremiah Searles. Obviously, Alex Boone is 6'8". Matt Khalil is 6'7". The Vikings have some lumbering linemen. Might they go in a smaller direction? Might they go for agility and speed and try to match the running game in today's NFL with shiftier backs, more stuff toward the edge? For example, Willie Beavers, 6'4", Nick Easton, 6'3", Rashad Hill, on the taller end, he's 6'6", but that could be a viable approach going forward. Get smaller, get faster. You can still be strong when you're small. You're not prevented from being powerful if you're shorter. 
Is Democracy in Danger or Decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst. Let's say we keep it going with one special teams player today and talk about free agent punter Jeff Locke. Now 27 years old, the former fifth round pick has completed four years in three different stadiums in Minnesota. He's punted in the Dome, he's punted outside, he's punted at U.S. Bank Stadium, and he's had a topsy-turvy four years. I've always been a Jeff Locke apologist, and I'll admit, The years out in TCF Bank Stadium were not that great. Granted, I don't think they would have been that great for anybody. Wind currents were wacky in that horseshoe stadium. But Jeff Locke is also the victim of a system that does not value total punt yardage. And I think he's executed the plan very well. Despite having a net of 39 yards, which is... 25th in the league, and a little bit below where Mike Prefer wants the net. Jeff Locke was 8th in return yardage average against. And that's important to the Vikings. Reducing return opportunities. What's another way to reduce return opportunities? How about fair catches? Opponents had 28 of them. That's 5th best in the NFL. Inside the twenty an area where Jeff Locke had greatly struggled in past years, had too many touchbacks, 34 punts inside the 20, tied for fifth in the NFL. Touchback numbers, much better. Down to just three. Tied for seventh in the NFL if you eliminate guys with 10 or fewer punts. Is Jeff Locke ever going to be big leg guy? Not really, but I'm telling you, watch the way Marcus Sherrill's returns punts and you'll realize why you don't want to outkick your coverage. Almost every time Sherrill's returns a punt, it's because he's got about 15 yards of green grass in front of him, and he sees the holes. That's what good return men are going to do. Like his return touchdown against Houston, booming punt, but almost impossible to cover. And Shane Leckler, the Houston punter, also had the most return yards against him this past season. So there you go. Jeff Locke sends it high, sends it short, and allows his athletic gunners to do the work. I think the Vikings got a little bit too experimental at times with their gunners. They got to a point where they didn't want to play Trey Waynes too much at gunner because he was playing a lot of defense. They took Cordero Patterson off it full-time because he was playing a lot of offense. They sometimes had Charles Johnson and Laquan Treadwell gunning, neither of which worked out very well. But all in all, I think the Vikings' punt return game is on solid ground. Do they bring Jeff Locke back? The Vikings do have former Texas Tech punter Taylor Simank under their team control. He may be the competition for Locke if they bring him back. If the Vikings gave Locke a long-term deal, it would probably be worth about $2 million per year, similar to what Brad Nortman got in Jacksonville when he signed there, going away from Carolina. We'll have Sage Rosenfels back on the program tomorrow. We appreciate you tuning in. It's Locked On Vikings. Make sure to check out Locked On NFL Draft. 
which is really heating up right now in the Locked On Podcast Network. Also, Locked On Timberwolves of local interest with Zach Bennett, who records in this very studio. My name's Sam Ekstrom. Follow on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom. Enjoy your day. Thanks for tuning in to the Locked On Podcast Network. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.